You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Cowboys fans, to episode 27 of the Writer's Block podcast. It is officially free agency frenzy for the Dallas Cowboys, and I say that uh, as excited as possible because, unfortunately, just like every year, nothing has really happened on the first day of free agency, but that's okay. It's a good thing. We'll get to it. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie. You can follow me on Twitter at, at BrandonIsRight. Joining me, as always, to uh, soak in this madness is my co-host, Jess Navarez, who you can follow on Twitter at Jess Navarro's underscore. Jess, were you on Twitter today constantly hitting the refresh button, scrolling, trying to see if any move would be made by the Dallas Cowboys? I was on Twitter uh, refreshing every second, yes, but not because I expected anything to come out of the Dallas Cowboys news cycle, but just because it's such a fun day. I mean, really, this is the official start of the new calendar year for the NFL and seeing not even just what the Cowboys are doing, but what other teams are doing. Oh, it's so fun to watch. Um, But yeah, I didn't expect the Cowboys to make a big splash move. It is only day one and it's not even officially the start of free agency. So I didn't expect anything big, but yeah, my thumbs hurt from scrolling. I was scrolling all day. It is funny to see, like you said, the, the reactions that people give on Twitter to all these deals. And you're right. It is exciting for me. I remember back when I was in high school during this time, you know, I would be refreshing my computer, not even focusing on what was being taught in class because I was excited that Kyle Orton was going to be the backup for the Cowboys. That Brandon Carr was oh, signed man. in 2012. Kyle Orton, what a throwback. I know. That's such a throwback. Did you have to block? Um, I know at my high school, the Wi Fi didn't allow you to be on certain sites like Twitter. Yep. You had to find ways to like hack and use like Wi Fi blockers to be able to go and do that. Look, rule breaker for the best reasons. I appreciate that. Um, if you are in school or listening to this, don't do that. Don't follow our examples, horrible examples, but I appreciate the effort. Well, and it would always be during a class where I had access to a computer, you know, like, because again, back then, I mean, my family, we didn't have much, but uh, we didn't have phones with uh, internet access. We would just use regular phones. And so it's like, we couldn't just sit and scrolling yeah. on our phones. We decided to wait to use the computer. So we are. Text Cha-Cha. That, uh, that was the thing. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> and, and Cha-Cha. That's <laughs> That's why for us with the older fans, like, listen, like we are of a younger generation, but we we get it. We were like on the precipice of everything that's becoming new and modern. So we did struggle come free agency time back when we were in high school. But again, there's a lot of drama right now around the Cowboys and lack of uh, investment into free agency. And I think that's where we'll start our conversation, because there were a few things that happened, um, you know, of course, with Connor McGovern, which we'll get into but the Cowboys, how they handle free agency has always been for the previous maybe 10 years, five years, 
um, it, they sit out of the first wave. And like you mentioned, Jess, if free agency hasn't even started, this is just the legal tampering period where contracts are agreed upon. Players are by no means bound by these contracts that they're agreeing to. They can back out. We saw that with Zadarius Smith last season. Um, and the Cowboys, they, they don't splash in this time. And sometimes maybe they'll sign few players of their own. There's a few reports of trying to sign, you know, re-sign a Dante Fowler, stuff like that. But they really don't dip their toe into the big pool, hand out the big money. What is your thought on that? Like, are you really just, you want them to make that big splash, kind of sign a Javon Hargrave that went to San Francisco or TJ Edwards, you know, ex-Eagles players to, to make them, you know, Cowboys, which is always awesome. But, you know, what is your thought process on how they handle free agency? I mean, look, <laughs> this has been the conversation on Twitter all day. I mean, that mute button is my favorite button on Twitter now. Um, but here's the thing. I want the Cowboys to do what they need to do to be the best team. And I think sometimes people get so anxious and assume that these things just work themselves out magically and not understanding the logistics that go into signing a player. There's contract negotiations, not just with you, you know, as the the front office and the player but also you have to find ways to make money so make room in cap space money for the now but also for the later advancement of your team you're talking about deals that you need to be thinking one two three years ahead of because guess what contracts you have coming up in the next couple of seasons that you need to worry about now and make room for that now? Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb. You have to also not just be so in the moment and almost emotional to want to sign somebody now. You have to understand that there's repercussions for signing somebody and bringing somebody in that it's not just so black and white. This is such a complex system, which is why I'm so glad a lot of people on Twitter don't have the power to make these Cowboys front office moves because, man, would we be in a bad situation when it came time to sign Micah Parsons? And I don't know about y'all, but look, I'm trying to send Micah to a nice, juicy deal that he deserves come the time, but I'm not surprised. I mean, three words, people, draft and develop. That's been the motto for the last, what, like you said, five seasons. I mean, it's nothing new and it's, it's funny. It's, it's not funny, but it's funny how everyone acts so surprised this day, every year that the Cowboys aren't making a big move. It, I don't know how you guys still have it in you to act so surprised because anyone that has followed this team, even just remotely close knows that nothing was going to come out of today and you know whatever they can get done today great but like I said if it takes you a little more time to be able to really logically think through these things so that way you have a payoff now and then a payoff later please look I'm not trying to be a homer and I'm not trying to stick up for the Cowboys front office because I think they do need to make moves but just be patient guys it's only the first day you didn't have to do anything today to get it done. In fact, you're seeing something which I thought was an interesting trend where no wide receivers were claimed in this first day. So look, it's not even just a Cowboys problem. It's everybody's trying to be strategic right now, but it's just amplified when it's the Cowboys, and we know that. I think you bring up a great point, and we were talking before recording that 
you know, maybe our takes won't be as popular and we're not going to stand on the table and say that they need to make all these big moves because I like to think that we're realists, you know, when it comes to this and that, like you mentioned, the Cowboys have shown the previous few seasons that this draft and develop model is working. It's successful. And yes, it's not resulting in championship games and Super Bowls, but you have to get there. You have to build up to that point. And, you know, yes, some people would argue that the, the Bucks model, the Rams model of throwing everything uh, to the center of the table for one year and getting to the Super Bowl is the way to do it. But look at what the Rams are doing right now. They're trading all of their guys. They're getting rid of all of their players that they even signed last year trying to, an Allen Robinson, a Bobby Wagner. These guys that were supposed to put them back into the Super Bowl conversation, they have to get rid of after the first season because it's not only working out, but the price is just too high. So when you are in that model, you get one year, and it's like if you either hit it, you, you win, you get the Super Bowl, that's awesome. But then the payoff afterwards, it's like, is it really worth it? Do you want sustained success to try and be in that conversation for the Super Bowl year after year? So I, I even look at the Eagles right now. The Eagles are losing a bunch of players in free agency. I think they lost three defensive players, TJ Edwards, um, uh, Marcus Epps, I believe, is the safety that went to Las Vegas, Javon Hargrave, and a few other guys, Andre Dillard, the backup offensive lineman. They have Jason Kelsey coming back, which, you know, side note, as an uh, anti-Eagles person, I do love the Kelsey brothers, and I think Jason Kelsey is, is an awesome guy. They're amazing. Yeah. yeah. As brothers, yes. As a thorn that will forever be in, in the Cowboys' side because he is a beast, no. But for the Kelsey brothers, agreed, 100%. And you look at if he didn't come back, I mean, that's a glaring need for the Eagles that they have to fill with just, again, the draft and develop model that they have. Cam Jurgens as sort of their backup. So they're not the only team that follows this model and tries to do it the best way possible. The Cowboys have shown to make bigger splashes and moves in the past. Last year, they tried signing Randy Gregory to a big contract. It didn't work out. And guess what? They are better for it. But that's the thing. They want to sign big contracts to their own players. And yes, the Ezekiel Elliott contract is probably not worth it right now. But when you look at where their history has been in 2014, you had Henry Melton as a name, defensive tackle, when Rod Marinelli came in. It was a four-year deal for $27.5 million that they decided to decline his three-year option after the first season. Cedric Thornton, a defensive tackle, was signed for four years, $17 million in 2016. He was released before the start of the 2017 season. Terrence Williams, again, a name I think he was part of like the players uh, controlled league. Um, I think he's in Mexico right now, uh, Mexican Football League. Um, but he was signed to a four year contract. And in 17, he had 568 yards, zero touchdowns, got suspended for three games in 2018 and just played two games before fracturing his foot. And then the Cowboys released him uh, at the start of 2019. So you see a trend where sometimes these bigger deals that the Cowboys have handed out don't really pan out that well. And they are going with this draft and develop model where you find blue chip players in the draft, like a Micah Parsons, a Trayvon Diggs, a CeeDee Lamb, and you plug the holes with a Malik Hooker, a J. Ron Curse. And look at how these guys have developed into leaders of the football team. And yeah, it's not always great where then you have a long laundry list of players that you have to retain the following year when it's one-year contracts, two-year contracts. But then, you know what? There's guys out there who you just refresh and bring in as new players to fit the scheme. I think the one thing play, uh, fans forget is that 
a free agent signing is technically like Dan Quinn coming back to the Cowboys this season. And when you have a coach like that who knows how to use their players, that is an important thing to have and a resource that you can bring in whoever you want, familiar with him or not. He's going to try and get the best out of him. We saw that with Donovan Wilson, J. Ron Curse, Malik Hooker, Micah Parsons, Leighton Vanderesh, all these guys, Jonathan Hankins. So trust the process. I know it's an Eagles term or whatever, but I, I do believe in it. And I think the Cowboys, yeah, it's not sexy when they're not, you know, putting out headlines on ESPN for signing these guys to big contracts, but that's just not who they are anymore. And honestly, we'll we'll talk about it with an article that I wrote. I think they're better for it. You know, because right now the players have all the leverage and all these high prices and contracts that are being, you know, agreed upon. The Cowboys wait for that to end, let the market kind of reset itself, and then figure out who the best players are left. Now, you bring up such good points and just such smart thinking with, with all of that because it's so true. I mean, year and year again, we go through this cycle where we're sitting here and we're seeing all these tweets of, oh, haha, the Cowboys are trying to work out a deal with Dante Fowler, but yet there's Donovan Wilson we have to worry about. Give it time, guys. I mean, you were probably tweeting the exact same things last season, and look how this season turned out. Like, it's just, everyone take a breath and remember, it is it is football. It's a business. I know you love your Cowboys. Brandon and I also love to cheer on this team. But just remember, there's so much more to it than saying, all right, here's your check. There you go. I mean, I feel like it's so underrated the process it takes to get these players signed to actual contracts that makes everybody happy. Because then you also have, uh, you know, guys that are right now restructuring their contracts to make sure that there is cap space and money. And we always hear Stephen Jones talk about cap space and having the piece of the pie. And we know all this. We get it. But at the end of the day, guys, they have to be financially smart with this money or down the line, we're not going to have Micah Parsons. We're not going to have Trayvon Diggs. And that that is scary. To me, those names, you're not going to have a CD lamb. Like I said, when you think about it in terms of not only are they trying to figure things out for the now, but the future, again, it can be frustrating to miss this first wave of free agency. But really, like, there wasn't a lot of really big splash moves to come out of today overall across the entire league because it is just the legal tampering period. Wednesday, everything officially opens up for free agency, and we're going to see what happens there. But, yeah, everyone, take a breather. Please, this is your reminder to please take a breather and think before you tweet. That's another reminder I would just like to throw out there. That's a great point. And I think that the way that the Cowboys are changing things up and I do kind of agree with this with what you were talking about is they don't really spend early on in free agency, fill up the holes, you know, with maybe a couple areas that they need to address before the draft. This way they get best player available. But we've seen recently the Cowboys are more willing to trade for somebody midseason and acquire talent that's already been proven for maybe eight to nine games, you know, that that's shown to be a successful player this season. When you are signing these players to all these extraordinary contracts, you are betting on the fact that, of course, you know, your system is going to fit who they are as players. The coaching staff will get the best out of them. 
it is a huge gamble. And the draft is the same way, but the financial cost is significantly lower. When you are handing out these large contracts, again, when I read off those names like a Henry Melton, a Brandon Carr, a Terrence Williams, you have no idea who are, who they're going to be. These one-hit wonders for the season that you know they flashed this year, like Deron Payne for the Commanders, got a huge contract, sort of resetting the market um, for defensive tackles below an Aaron Donald. And he had one successful season this past year, which great for him. I'm always for players getting their money. Um, but he had one great season. And before that, you were hearing from Washington, people didn't think he was going to be back. So you were betting on this player going to be consistent year after year after year. And it's always a gamble with free agencies. So the Cowboys are protecting themselves by handing out these low-cost contracts for a few seasons. And then if it comes time to re-sign them, like a J. Ron Curse, where it was a one-year, and then you hit them back with two-year contract you know, to bring them back, that works. It's successful. It's high uh, reward, low cost. So it's a great, great transition, Jess. We'll get into sort of what happened, at least around the Cowboys, for the first day. And, of course, we're recording this Monday evening. So if anything kind of comes up as we're recording, Jess is on Twitter. She is looking, making sure everything is up to date with the Cowboys. But first and foremost, they uh, lose Connor McGovern. He agrees to a three-year, $23 million deal uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Um, to me, it would have been great to bring somebody like him back, especially for offensive line depth, which the Cowboys are going to have to try and figure out what to do now, maybe at that left guard position. Do, did you want, because I know we did our free agency kind of uh, talking points with regards to bringing five guys back for the Cowboys. I forget if you mentioned Connor McGovern as a guy to bring back or if you're willing to move on. I would like, I don't think he was top priority mm -hmm. for me to grab in free agency, but he was one of those guys that if the big contracts, you know, like Donovan Wilson, obviously Tony Pollard, and this is pre-franchise tag um, LVE, you know, if the bigger contracts that we are wanting more could all work themselves out. And then there was room. Yes. I wanted Connor McGovern back because Josh Ball as a backup makes me a little bit nervous at the moment. But again, we're going we're going with it. We're going with this mentality that if they don't make a big splash in the free agency, draft and develop, and I will never question that again, especially after the success we saw with Tyler Smith this season because, wow, what a player that he really ended up being for the Cowboys. So draft and develop, draft and develop. I'm going to just be repeating that to myself. But yeah, McGovern... I think he proved himself. I think he got a pretty good, pretty good deal. We were just talking about this before we started recording. A great deal for him. Um, I wish him the best, but yeah, unfortunately, the cards didn't fall where they needed for the Cowboys to keep him. Um, I wish they could have, but it kind of is what it is. A few other players uh, with the Cowboys who are free agents that are being thrown out as uh, potential conversations still being had about agreeing upon contracts. Jane Slater was reporting that talks are still ongoing with Donovan Wilson, like we talked about. And it seems to be that he is their number one priority to bring back. We've been hearing a lot of things over the past few days, even before the legal tampering period started, that uh, Donovan Wilson was somebody that the team really wanted to bring back. Stephen Jones even mentioned it, that it's important to keep that core of safeties, the three-headed monster, together. And that's something that they wanted to do. Talks are still going on with Leighton Vanderesh, as she mentioned as well. But it seems like that if things don't go a certain way, he does have a potential landing spot with a few other teams. So it seems like that if they can't get anything done, he'll find a home pretty quickly. And then really as sort of an oddball thing that came out with uh, Josina Anderson reporting that the team is actually working really hard to sign Dante Fowler back. And I, I thought not oddball in the sense where I don't think Dante Fowler brings value. I think bringing him back would be great, but I just thought that they would have 
wanted to see what Sam Williams brought to the table, but this might be more of a sign where they want Sam Williams, Fowler, and Tank to be sort of their main defensive end unit, along with Dorrance Armstrong. I keep forgetting about him. And that it alleviates Micah Parsons from taking as many snaps at defensive end uh, because we saw he was getting a little banged up towards the end of the season. So between those go- between those three guys with Wilson, LVE, and Fowler, do you have a priority between the three if you had to kind of list them one through three? Oh, obviously it's Dono LVE Feller. I mean, yeah. that's not, that's just an obvious, but I, I think what you will see is like you were talking about earlier, Brandon is you're plugging in holes. I think Dante Fowler is a plugging in a whole kind of guy. Um, I don't think he's your end all be all for the DE position by any means, but I think he brings depth. And what we've seen out of this defense is Dan Quinn loves himself some depth and versatility. He brings that. I think he's worked well within this Dan Quinn scheme. So I don't think it's as much of a joke as Cowboys Twitter is making it out to be. I think overall he could be very helpful in the defensive scheme, uh, if anything. But Dono, we know we would love to see Dono back. But man... Ah, after some of the deals I saw today, that's going to be very hard uh, with the cap space that the Cowboys do have. And um, so we're going to see where the cards fall with that one. But Dono, obviously priority LVE. Um, you know, I told you this earlier. I don't see a multiverse. I see maybe one multiverse out of the millions and infinite multiverses where we see a team this next season with both Dono and LVE on it. I think it's going to be a one or the other type of situation and so we'll see what happens, but um, we can be hopeful. We can we can see where things hap- where things fall, see what happens. But yeah, obviously it's going to be Dono LVE, Dante Fowler, and no knock. That's no knock to anybody. That's just between those three. That is where my priority stands because really, when you go back to free agency overall, say this is pre-franchise tagging Tony Pollard the you know order of importance would have been tony pollard and then donovan wilson lve those are really my top three uh when looking at that list and then after that it, it gets a little bit up for debate but yeah i i hope um these restructuring that we're seeing or all the restructuring of these contracts we're seeing are helping maybe uh come to terms with something big with dono and LVE, if not one or the other. And I think it's interesting that these three names that are listed by reporters, they're all defensive guys. And I think that with Josina Anderson in her report, she said that the team wants Fowler back and Fowler wants to be back. So they're trying to negotiate because I do think that, again, that Dan Quinn factor that we talked about when he announced that he was returning to the Cowboys, we were already talking about, oh, well, this might actually entice Cowboys free agents to, to stick around because you have a Donovan Wilson and LVE, a Dante Fowler. They got the best out of themselves because Dan Quinn was their coordinator. So I think that is an attractive thing. And listen, if Dan Quinn's not here next season, you kind of elevate your stock a little bit more this season for one more time around. And then if uh, Dante Fowler wants to come back on a one-year deal, then he'll hit free agency again. And maybe he goes with Dan Quinn to wherever team he lands. Um, but it's like you can keep elevating your market, um, doing the most that you can to try and get most money possible. I think for Wilson, it's an interesting thing because, like you mentioned, there are a lot of safeties that were handed out contracts today. 
and you just wonder where he sees himself. Does he see himself closer to a Jesse Bates who got the fourth most, uh, the fourth highest contract for a safety all time? Um, or is he closer to some of these guys who are a little bit lower on the list? So I think it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. And then one last thing is, you know, uh, Michael Gallup restructured his contract to free up $7 million in space. Jane Slater reported that that's probably more for business as usual transactions. That could be more for the draft, stuff like that. And then that conversations are being had. Um, Ed Warder uh, put this tweet out that conversations are being had with Bobby Wagner as a potential um person that they bring in and that could be maybe like you mentioned the price might be too high for Leighton Vander Esch so they're trying to figure out kind of these backup plans just in case I think that it's a real possibility because you know the first time around he got his money in LA and it didn't work out it wasn't a season that he was hoping for to kind of chase that Super Bowl maybe he's willing to take a discount this time around because it's with Dan Quinn he sees the trajectory of the Cowboys uh, to be a successful one this season so do you think Bobby Wagner is a legitimate option as a backup to LVE, or would you want him over someone like Leighton Vander Esch? Oh, man. That's always so hard because with LVE, what you're getting, you know, to a casual football fan, obviously the answer is you want Bobby Wagner because that what a name, right? And LVE has had this path to get where he is, where it was inconsistent for a long time, and he does have the neck injury history. And then you have the LVE that you saw this last season. And that changes the entire scope of the conversation because LVE was such a help for the run defense. I mean, overall, just LVE kind of came out of nowhere and said, all right, you want to put me on a one-year deal? I'm approve it. And I've said this time and time again, this was LVE's prove it year. And he did, he proved that he earned himself a spot. And I think you don't get that kind of play from LVE with just any kind of coach. I think that's the Dan Quinn effect continuing to trickle down to his players. And LVE has just completely bought into that. He knows what he's doing. He knows where he belongs. And he has become a very silent leader within this Cowboys defense. Somebody like Bobby Wagner makes me a little bit nervous because what you see right now with the Cowboys defense is everybody knows what their place is in this defense. And, with somebody and it's a worry I have too about OBJ, you know, these big names is they come in and they kind of shake things up and they bring the wrong kind of mentality to this locker room that has been, you know, nothing but healthy. Really. You look at the locker room and, and overall it's just been a very healthy environment for these guys and they play for each other and you can tell that they're doing that. What I don't want is I don't want Bobby Wagner to go in there and kind of shake that up. Although I don't think he would. I don't think OBJ would either. But you just never know. Um, you know, with Bobby, you don't know if he, if he can fit into that Dan Quinn scheme. You haven't seen that yet. You've seen Bobby Wagner at his best, and he's the ultimate professional. So I'm sure it's possible. You don't know until you're getting there. So you're kind of gambling a little bit, I would say, with Bobby Wagner, not seeing him with the Cowboys, with LVE. At least you know what you're getting. You know what to expect. But again, with LVE, you do have those years of inconsistencies that work against him, the years of uh, injury history that also work against him. So I think there's no wrong answer. When you come to those two, there's no wrong answer. If the Cowboys can't get a deal with LVE, there's undoubtedly – not, you know, a possibility he doesn't go somewhere else. He will get a contract somewhere else. But um, Bobby Wagner, I mean, him and Mike Parsons on the same defense. Holy cow. That and, and then you add Tank in there. 
uh-uh. I don't want to be any opposing quarterback. That sounds horrible for them. Great for the Cowboys. Horrible for any opposing quarterbacks that have to face that. And we talked about veteran leadership would be a big thing, too, for him coming in, knowing the scheme, knowing Dan Quinn, um, helping guys along like a Micah Parsons, where Micah Parsons is a great pass rusher, but if he wants to sort of learn more about the linebacker position, I think when you bring somebody in like a Bobby Wagner, that would only help his development in that spot. But also a Damone Clark. Again, these guys that the Cowboys have at linebacker outside of Leighton Vanderish, they're all young guys. They need to learn and need to grow. And I think if you have somebody like a Wagner come in, Jabril Cox, Devin Harper, these guys who are like rotational guys, I think that might elevate their game as well and kind of set a standard for the linebacker room. Um, I'm just looking, again, we're, we're scrolling on Twitter as we're in the middle of this just to get some updates. With regards to the Connor McGovern uh, agreement, uh, Michael Gelkin was also reporting that the Cowboys had some interest in re-signing Connor McGovern, but he was joining the Bills on that agreed-upon contract. Uh, despite the departure, don't rule out Tyler Smith staying at left tackle in 2023. I know that that was something that's been thrown around uh, within the past week or so that Tyron Smith is hopefully going to come back on a restructured deal. Does that mean he's going to be left tackle? Does that mean uh, Tyler Smith is going to be left guard? With that type of tweet, that could mean that Tyler Smith is your left tackle. They try and figure out a way to figure out something at left guard. And then if Terrence Steele needs some time to kind of recover a little bit more with his rehab, you put Tyron Smith at right tackle and then he's your swing tackle for the season when Terrence Steele comes back and then it just is it it's a good win-win situation all around for everybody what do you think about that you know I think after the season that the Cowboys offensive line had I will never doubt their versatility and their ability to do whatever position they're told. I think having Tyler Smith at a key spot, though, where he's not going to be changing all the time is only going to help him because I think for a young player like that, it's not necessarily the best thing to constantly change up left guard to left tackle and back and forth and, you know, doing all of that because there's a lot of logistics that go into each position that, yeah, a lot of people don't think about it and a lot of people don't know the little nuances that go with, you know, switching positions and how hard that actually is. So, um, you know, Tyler Smith was drafted for that position. And I think keep him there. He is your future. He is your young guy. And he absolutely proved the chance to have his stable position in that O-line. I mean, he did everything he could this season and exceeded expectations that I don't even think were there for him at the beginning of the season. Yeah, we were hearing how much of a liability he was as a offensive lineman. And you know what? Honestly, and I know you were in the locker room, you got to potentially talk to him throughout the season. Great guy, great kid, great attitude. And that's the type of person that the Cowboys like to find where, yeah, there might be some rawness to his game as an offensive lineman, but that's the type of guy that you want to mold and develop. And Connor McGovern leaving might even be a case where Mike Solari, the new offensive line coach, just didn't see him in his plans and wants to go in a different direction. But knowing that you have someone like Tyler Smith to work with and kind of mold as the future of the franchise for left tackle, left guard, that versatility, yes, you want to solidify a position for him right away. This way, there's not this back and forth like we saw with the Tyrone Crawford um, where it was defensive end, defensive tackle. What are you? Where are you going to go? Uh, and so... For that, it's like, yes, it's important to solidify his development at one particular position, but if he's willing to accept it and take it on, by all means, just use it as an advantage. So I think that's a very interesting thing to think about. Oh, yeah. And he is such a coachable guy. You can just tell with how he talks about his coaches. I mean, 
it's something I always notice when I'm talking to the guys in the locker room is how they talk about their coaches and they're all very respectful, right? But some guys will be like, oh yeah, Mike said this, Mike said that, or Dan said this, Dan said that or at, the, at the time, Kellen said this, Kellen said that. You know what Tyler Smith would always say? He'd say, yeah, coach said this, coach told me that. He he has that coachable mentality where he wouldn't even call Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy. He said, yeah, coach told me this and, and coach was really telling me this. And when I noticed that the most is when I was asking him, you know, and the penalties were at the all-time high and he had the most penalties within the Cowboys for those pre-snap, um, you know, penalties that we were seeing. And I was asking him, you know, what is Mike telling you? He said, oh, you know, coaches tell me it comes down to the mental focus of things. And I, to me, that's just a trait that you are so lucky to find in a guy that you can teach anybody to have any skill, you know, at that level. But when it comes to being coachable and actually finding somebody who's putting time and energy and work into being better, that's so hard to find because this is a very, very difficult sport to, to do. That's a very difficult position for anybody to be in that O-line. And I also love how he worked with Jason Peters all season because shout out to Jason Peters, man, I really hope we, we get a happy ending, uh, fairy tale ending with Jason Peters in whatever way he wants that, whether that's retiring or, you know, coming back for another season, if they can get that, or like you had mentioned in one of our episodes, welcome to the coaching staff. That would be just phenomenal because how he worked with Tyler Smith and watching it at the games during the pre warmups and, you know, just watching how he would physically say, okay, stay there. And then you would see him adjusting Tyler's like arm to say, look, if you do it this way, you know, it was just, that's so hard to find in a person. Again, is somebody who can coach you in, in a way that you want to listen, right? I mean, anybody can sit there and be like, oh, do this, do that. Eh, it's not going to come off well with just everybody. So um, yeah, Tyler Smith. Oh my goodness. You're talking about a guy during training camp. I, I cannot make this stuff up. Mike McCarthy had just said, yeah, where it stands right now, he's not going to be a starter. Tyler Smith is not going to be a starter. Tyron Smith gets hurt. Literally that same week goes down and then everyone's scrambling, losing their heads, saying, oh, no, Tyler Smith, what are we going to do? And look at the season this kid had. Unbelievable. And so when I'm saying this draft and develop mindset isn't all that bad, he is the perfect example of that because he just started his development. What you saw out of him last season was not the best you're getting out of him. It's only the beginning. So just keep that in mind. There are success stories out of draft and develop. Speaking of Gelkin's uh, tweet, he actually put out an article as well today, uh, Monday. I always like, and again, I know, Jess, you're, you don't write, but I'm sure you'd be a successful writer uh, if you did that. But for me as a journalist, the one thing I get jazzed about is this time and draft and like the start of the season. It's It always happens like on Sundays, on NFL Sunday, where these insiders have like something that they stockpile throughout the, the, the week or the season that they're willing to drop this nugget on a day where it gets them the most clicks, the most attention. And Gelkin put out an article today with potential free agency takeaways, things that he's hearing, kind of setting the, setting the stage for the Cowboys and how they address uh, their free agency. So we'll go through a couple points, I think, that are of note, and we're not going to go through all of them. This way you guys can go check out the article. It's really insightful, and I think it's um, interesting with certain things that he says. 
we know that the Cowboys need to address the playmaker position, whether that's through uh, maybe adding a tight end through the draft or a wide receiver through free agency or the draft. He brings up a point that the Cowboys might not be in the free agent market for a wide receiver strictly because they hope to sign CeeDee Lamb to a long-term deal within the next few months. He's up for a new contract. They can uh, pick up the fifth-year option. But I think this is something where they want to get this deal done so that when all these new wide receivers are up for contracts, like a Jamar Chase down the line, maybe a Stephon Diggs gets a new contract, you can get him relatively at a, at a discounted price, and you do that early on. And when he talked about the tight end position – we were hearing reports that uh, I think Jane Slater mentioned this, that Dalton Schultz hasn't really been given an offer. It seems like that he's no longer going to be a member of the Cowboys. Uh, again, all those things can change, but they do believe in Ferguson and Hendershot as people that they and players that they can develop. But they also really do like the tight end class that I do think that they might end up taking a guy, whether that's in the first round, second round, third round, fourth round to kind of bring along. So out of those two wide receiver, tight end, any sort of, position that you want them to attack in free agency whether that's bringing in a veteran tight end to pair with these young guys or do you think that ultimately bringing in a veteran wide receiver would be better for them I think ultimately you take advantage of this really really stacked tight end draft class that you have so you wait until the draft to do that um, I think between the two, you attack the veteran wide receiver role because, yes, CD's your wide receiver one, but to have that extra key role just done and solidified during free agency would be so great. I mean, whether it's OBJ or whatever route they decide to go with that, I really think any kind of veteran wide receiver you can get in there is going to be helpful. And there's been... um. You know, a lot of speculation about Michael Gallup as a whole and as a player. And I think this next season, you're going to see more out of him that you were expecting to see this season. You know, maybe the recovery wasn't as quick as as we'd like to see. Or I've been saying maybe it was a scheme issue. Maybe the Kellen Moore scheme did not fit somebody like Michael Gallup. And we are just going to have to see how that plays out with Mike McCarthy calling these plays now. But um, I'm I'm so excited to see how that works out and um, I'm just excited overall for that. But I think you attack a veteran wide receiver and you really go for it with as much as you're willing to give that doesn't impact other key contracts later like CeeDee Lamb. But look, you can only stack that room more and more, draft you a tight end, you have the confidence, the comp, how do you say it? The comp picks. Compensation. Yeah, compensatory. Whatever. Yeah. That, yeah. That is such, I had to say that word like 10 times on <laughs> the Daily Show. And I was like, okay, I'm making sure I'm saying this right. And it got to the point where I was saying it so much. I feel like I say it wrong all the time now. Because when you say a word so much, I don't know if this happens to you. If you say something way too much, it gets in your head. And you're like, that just sounds weird. Anyways, now that you have your extra picks, go for a tight end in this draft class. Maybe it's not the most flashy name, you know, but... Also, if you're not going to have Dalton Schultz, it is very comforting to know you have these younger guys that did step up this season and ultimately put the nail in the coffin for Dalton Schultz. I mean, he had an opportunity to have a deal last season and it doesn't look like it's going to work out. But go for a veteran wide receiver, I say, in this. Wait until the draft to get you a tight end and go from there. 
Although when you did mention veteran tight end, I was like, mm, Jason Witten, what are you doing? <laughs> Look, that is just the nostalgia in me. Totally a joke, not serious. Go for a veteran wide receiver. Uh, to play the other side, I think a name that would be cool for a tight end, uh, a veteran tight end would be Hayden Hurst. And I say that specifically, I think about things also off the field on how yeah, him and Dak, I was, yep, how him and Dak connected with the mental awareness and everything. And so I think they would be doing really good things, not only on the field, but also off the field in the Dallas Cowboys community. Transitioning, and again, you can go check out Gelkin's article um, on Dallas Morning News. It's a great read. A couple other nuggets in there for deep into training camp and the rest of the season. But I want to talk about myself, uh, not only because it is a podcast that involves me, but uh, again, when I got excited for this sort of news dropping article, um, I wanted to contribute to the mess and the chaos and all that. And there was a episode of the athletic football show with Robert Mays and Nate Tice that came out early in the week. And they talked about these 10 mistakes that teams usually make in free agency and they broke it down. And, and a lot of things are very insightful, but when I was thinking about it and how the Cowboys would fit into these 10 mistakes, you actually start to realize that they have course corrected themselves where they used to make these mistakes like everybody else, but they really don't do it anymore. And it's because, like we mentioned, the value that they find in free agency is usually after the first day. A lot of these mistakes come when teams are trying to outbid each other on the first few days of free agency. So I want to go through just a few of them. Again, promoting the article online. You can go check it out at bloggingtheboys.com. Uh, but I do want to get Jess's very insightful, very intelligent opinion on some of these because I do think it is important. You ready for all these? I am so ready that I'm pulling up the article so I can follow <laughs> along. That's how ready I am. <laughs> awesome. So we're going to start with uh, number 11. And there, like I said, there were 10 that were brought up in the episode. I wanted to create a 11th one because I think it fits the Cowboys specifically. And that's don't offer record-setting contracts to your own players before they hit free agency. We saw that happen with a few guys in the past, like a Tyrone Crawford that we brought up earlier, a Jalen Smith specifically. And then Ezekiel Elliott is the most recent one where I would argue that he's actually the better of the three because of the fact that he's still contributing at a relatively good level, um, you know, scoring 12 touchdowns this past year. A lot of teams would love to have that. Um, but I do think that at the running back position, unfortunately, just his contract is way too high for what you can get as maybe a draft pick or some of these, you know, bargain bin running backs in the league. So. I think it's interesting because they, they haven't really done this anymore. And conventional wisdom would say, well, they should have done that with Dak Prescott because they were proven to do that with signing their guys early on before they hit free agency. And they let him hit the franchise tag twice before sending him, uh, signing him to a long-term deal. So when you look at that, these guys that are up for these contracts beforehand, you, we talked about this earlier. CeeDee Lamb could be negotiating a contract for within the next few months. Trayvon Diggs is the same way where he's going to be hitting free agency next offseason. Micah Parsons will be down the line. I do think that these are different players compared to a Crawford and a Jalen Smith because they have proven to be better players. And so I don't know where you stand on that. If you think that it is valuable for the Cowboys to do that with these three specific players, or you think that history shouldn't repeat itself in the situation? I think there's only one guy I would do this with. <laughs> that is Micah Parsons. Really? I don't care. Yeah, look, I don't care what they have to do to keep him. You keep him in any way you need to do. And I say that as the now Micah Parsons that he is. When it comes time for him to sign a contract, I'll be interested to see, you know, how much more of a level he's playing at. So that means more money. Um, but that is the only guy... Uh, in uh, on this roster that I would do that with. And that's only because 
the moment you see or hear the possibility of Micah Parsons leaving the Cowboys, that is horrible. Yes, then the sky would be falling. Um, I'm not saying, you know, one player makes up your whole defense. He is the heart and soul of that defense. So you do what you can to keep him. If you set a record contract for Micah Parsons, people are already expecting that, right? At this point, people are expecting Aaron Donald type money for Micah Parsons. So it's if it's not you, it'll be someone else. And that is just the cold hard truth about Micah Parsons is if the Cowboys don't do it for him specifically, somebody else will immediately without a thought without any kind of thought behind it they will sign that check sign still delivered micah you are moving um with that said he's my only exception other than that completely agree what about cd lamb you, do you think the cowboys should sign him this offseason similarly to des bryant a few years back where it was like a five-year deal yes <laughs> hesitantly yes <laughs> um when you're comparing it to des that's really hard. But um, yes, I think CD absolutely proved himself. But if they waited another year to do that, I also wouldn't be upset about it because you get a full season of what you get as um, CD as wide receiver one, truly embracing it. Because I don't think you saw a full season of that. I think you saw when the OBJ talk started, then yeah, you saw CD really emerging as wide receiver one. But you didn't see it in a full scope this season. So I'm all for doing it now. If you have the money to do it, sure. If you don't, wait another season, see what he gives you, and that could be a double-headed monster because it could either up your price a little bit more, so you're kind of playing uh, with that a little bit, or it could lower your price depending on the kind of season he has. So you're you're playing a bit of a betting game there, but if you can do it, yes. If you have to wait, then wait. I think his trajectory has been very different compared to, like we mentioned, a Crawford and a Smith because each and every season since his rookie year, he's just gotten better and better and better, and he really solidified himself into that wide receiver one conversation. Probably top 10, I would say, at, at least top 10 wide receiver in the NFL, maybe top five, you can argue, at least the best at his position with regards to being a slot wide receiver. Transitioning into these record-setting contracts, some guy that uh, another guy that we brought up was Trayvon Diggs, and a sort of mistake that can be made is num the number eight on this list is beware the top of market cornerback contract. And Robert Mays brought this up, and I was thinking, well, the Cowboys they're going to have to sign Trayvon Diggs uh, in the near future, and he's probably going to demand a very very uh, wealthy contract. And it's like, well, why not give it to him? He's proven to be a pretty good corner. He mentioned that the position itself is pretty volatile where year after year you see these guys where they have a great season and then it kind of just drops off and it's sort of either up and down, it it fluctuates. The Really, the exception to the rule is a Jalen Ramsey who, you know, again, Cowboys Nation was all up in arms with that the Cowboys didn't trade for him. But when you look at the contract that he was given in Miami, he was given $20 million per year on, on the remaining part of his deal and given an extra $25 million in guarantees. The Cowboys were not going to do that, and, and it's just a position where if they can sign a Trayvon Diggs to a similar contract like that, he's a younger player. He is a former all-pro cornerback, similar to Ramsey at that status. Now, he doesn't have the lengthy career and proven success like a Ramsey, but I'd be willing to bet on Trayvon Diggs more so than Ramsey, who's hitting close to 30. But when you look at back, the, the Cowboys have shown that they have restraint in this area where – 
Byron Jones back in 2020 was up for free agency and he signed a record setting contract with the Dolphins. Um, ironically is where Jalen Ramsey went as well. It seems like all these Cowboys corners that they're trying to target go to Miami. I don't know what that is. Um, or wide receivers, <laughs> Cedric Wilson. You know what it is? It's that state income tax or lack thereof. You know, you know what? It's a real I don't thing. want to talk about taxes right now. It's <laughs> too adult for me. Yeah. So <laughs> you have these scenarios where the Cowboys refuse to pay the top of uh, market cornerback contract, and it actually has worked out. You see that Byron Jones, after signing that record-setting deal, did not perform the same way he was with the Cowboys that season that he signed the contract. And now he's being released and he's going to be a free agent on the market just two years into the contract. He didn't even play last season. So you look at when you take these big contract swings on a cornerback, it is a volatile position where the success could be up and down every season. So do you think the Cowboys should avoid that with Trayvon Diggs? Maybe they draft somebody in the first round this season so it protects themselves. How do you feel about giving Trayvon Diggs a big payday when it comes to free agency next season? I think cornerback is such a weird position because the stats from the outside can either hurt a player or look really well. So, you know, when people see uh, or talk about this drop-off that Trayvon Diggs has had in interceptions, that doesn't mean he's ha- he's been, you know, dropping off as a player or as a cornerback. That simply means he is blocking, he is covering, he is busy, he's doing other things right now, right? So that's just kind of how the scheme worked out for him this season. That's not to say that could change next season and you see more interceptions, but... You know, it does make it hard to put leverage on, uh, I guess, a money amount for somebody like Trayvon, where um, I don't necessarily want to say it's an up and down position. And then everybody, it almost seems like everybody, when talking about a cornerback, says, oh, he just gets burned all the time. That is the nature of your position. You are chasing a wide receiver. Like, y'all, please, (laughs) please. Um, I think... Trayvon, I will all always be for these players getting their money, but give him another season to see how he does, you know, within Dan Quinn's system. And then you have all of these new coaching changes that happened in Dallas this offseason. To me, that was kind of their reset, if you will, to really get rid of all things Jason Garrett, all things that Cowboys era. And you're now officially stepping into the full Mike McCarthy as your head coach. Uh, mode this season I think give him that and if by any chance somebody that is great in this cornerback position falls to the Cowboys yes but I don't think it's worth like trading up for uh, to grab somebody sooner or what have you Uh, John really talked me into the tight end in the first round train last week so I'm kind of on that and I, I think the options you have at cornerback, yes, they're limited and we should see somebody get, you know, picked off in the draft. But again, when you go this draft and develop route, I don't think you need to get somebody early on. I really, I really don't. I have such faith in Dan Quinn and what he's able to do with these guys. Maybe I have too much trust, but uh, I I trust Dan Quinn most more than I trust most men. Uh, and I will, I will happily admit that <laughs> like, happily. But yeah, I think Trayvon's going to deserve his payday. Give him his payday, and then you know you you go from there. But if you can find somebody that falls to you, great. Don't trade up for another cornerback, though. Yeah, you mentioned John uh, referencing John Michaud in the episode we had last week. Uh, writer from the Athletic, 
he did mention that if you take a, a cornerback in the first round and that's sort of what he's leaning towards as probably the, the most likely possibility, then you create a little bit more leverage saying to Trayvon, listen, like we have a first round corner. We have Deron Bland as somebody who we're developing as well. It, it doesn't elevate his price where, you know, he's holding the Cowboys hostage for a larger contract and they have to give it to him. So there are pieces that they can kind of plan for and develop down the line. Going towards number five on the list, uh, this one is very controversial for a lot of Cowboys fans, especially Jerry Jones mentioned it at nauseum uh, last season, last offseason. You're paying for snaps, not luxury players. And what I mean with luxury players is you have someone like a Randy Gregory, who's a flashy name, who would command all this money last offseason, but you take that contract you break it apart and you take that money and you spread it out across. You have a Leighton Van Der Esch who resigned on a one-year deal. You have a Dante Fowler and Anthony Barr, Carlos Watkins, Dorrance Armstrong got some of that as well. Jerry Jones talked about how, yes, we didn't pay someone like uh, uh, Randy Gregory. They uh, traded Amari Cooper and kind of he lumped that contract into paying for these guys as well. And he said, I would do that over again because we got great value out of these players. And when you look at all those names, they all contributed to the, the Cowboys' success last season. So it's hard to argue against that again, that yes, the Cowboys aren't going after the flashy names, but you see that the guys that they're signing, they're getting really good value. It's not like these guys are absolute busts and they don't do anything within the season. Maybe the one on that list would be Anthony Barr, that Cowboys' expectations uh, were a little bit higher for, and he didn't really produce. But even in the playoffs against Tampa Bay, he had his great uh, you know, game in that uh, matchup with the Bucks. So Carlos Watkins, another name that keeps you know resurfacing with the Cowboys, that wouldn't be possible if they handed out one large contract to a player like a Gregory, um, a Cooper, or maybe some guy in this free agency cycle. Or even a Brett Maher. Hello. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, I think you keep that same mentality because it works when you have people that are well-connected within your coaching staff that make players want to come to you. So when you have Dan Quinn calling up his former guys to be like, hey, one-year contract, come on over, they're going to do it. And you see the success, especially defensively, talking more defensively right now, you know, when you see the success and the trajectory that the Cowboys defense has had on the up and up the last two years, it's intriguing as heck to want to be part of that and you get to work with Micah Parsons you just get to be part of really this incredible defense that Dan Quinn has continued to build and not only that but maybe you don't go for the flashy names but you go for these other names that you know like you said aren't flashy and and they're kind of who's that kind of players like Jonathan Hankins I, I know when he was mentioned I had to do some research and was like oh, okay like yeah, he could be good, but then you felt his absence, right? I mean, as soon as him and LVE were injured, you felt the absence. You saw the drop-off without him. And now you're in a place where he's a free agent and you're kind of wondering, how the heck did you get bumped up in my list of priorities? And, you know, not even a few months ago, I was researching to see how you would fit into this scheme. I think if you allow yourself to have more quantity and versatility within a team, it's not a bad thing. And that doesn't go for every position though, right? I think it's not just a black and white situation. I think it depends on what position you're talking about. I think for offensively, more of a wide receiver conversation, yeah, you go for the splash play. You go for the big one, you do it, and you get your star player. I, I do. I think that is the exception. I think really when it comes to most other positions, yeah, you have some leeway to be flexible and maybe 
get the lesser known guys, allow them to build up with, uh, you know, the respective coach and then go from there. But um, I think the only exception to that is wide receiver. And that's because the Cowboys def- definitely and desperately need a, another wide receiver in that role in, in that room to work with CD. That is a fantastic point. I couldn't agree with you more. Very, very well said. And it's a great transition transition into the next one where, like what we were kind of talking about, uh, the number two on the list, which is beware the name brands when you can whip something up from the bottom shelf. And that's sort of what you were talking about with the Cowboys, where you can see it. It's evident with what you're talking about, where the bottom shelf might not work for some positions. We saw that last season with the wide receiver position. When they signed someone like a James Washington to kind of replace a Amari Cooper, it doesn't really work out because a player like that isn't as valuable as somebody when you hand a contract out to an Amari Cooper, to other guys who were up for deals. And even in this free agency class, there aren't really many great names to hand out these big deals to. So is it worth it? And that's why the Cowboys are might might be putting a little bit more value on re-signing a CD lamb as opposed to handing out a large contract when they did with that with Michael Gallup last year, they want to see what Jalen Tolbert can develop into. Um, Cause he's going into his second season. Maybe he's going to be a little bit better. So you mentioned these other positions where you can address this. And I do think that the safety position, the Cowboys, when you look at who they have as their safeties this past season, Donovan Wilson was the only one who was a draft and develop type guy out of their starters. J. Ron Kirst was a one-year flyer, special teams guy that was not even a blip on the radar of the Cowboys two seasons ago. He ends up signing a two-year contract. He's like one of the best leaders on the defense. A Malik Hooker, and another one on the list was injured guys stay injured. If you hand out these large contracts to injured guys, like, yeah, it it might kind of come back to haunt you. But they took, again, a flyer on Malik Hooker for a one-year deal for under a million dollars, and he ended up proving that he was a healthy player, really good in Dan Quinn's defense. They signed him to a two-year deal and was very good for them last season. And again, proved to stay healthy. So sometimes this does work out for these smaller positions that don't really need the flashy names. Running back is one, uh, like I mentioned, safety. Linebacker, I think you need a little bit more of of a proven player, younger guys who are a little bit faster. Um, But defensive line is another one where you can't really do bargain bin shopping, and the Cowboys used to do that. I remember Rod Marinelli would always talk about his orphans, and that was like the biggest thing for me where I just, I couldn't stand it. It's like, no, like, yes, Jack Crawford is a great guy, you know, uh, pathway player. It's like, I, I love the guy. I love his British accent. Cool dude. But no, like we need more than that from that position. And they have shown to finally address that with resources, draft and develop, um, and also signing these guys like a Dante Fowler. So I do think that when you kind of do the bargain bin shopping, like you mentioned, at particular positions, it bodes well for the Cowboys because they've shown to hit home runs in that case. And yeah, wide receiver, you need to be a little bit better at that. But that's where you have to pay these guys a little bit more money. Shout out to the scouting department. I mean, overall, shout out to the scouting department because to find some of these guys, you just wonder how much of their life, all of it, is taken up by finding these players that plug in almost perfectly and so quickly for this team. But, um, you know, you had mentioned injured guys stayed injured. And that's an interesting one to me because I I think – when you get to a certain point of the season, everybody is banged up. Nobody is playing 100% unless you are a guy just coming in that has not played. Everybody is playing pretty banged up. And I think injury is just so inevitable with this sport. And I'm going to disagree with that take because 
I think there's exceptions, right? We've seen guys that have the same nagging injury that tend to come back, but also it doesn't mean that it, it impacts their play, right? I mean, you saw, and I will forever bring up what a beast Micah Parsons is, but Micah Parsons was not playing 100% because that guy was he was hurting i mean with all the all the banging around that he does and everything that micah i don't know how he does it but he does he was not 100 percent, and he was still finding ways to be productive whether you noticed it or not something that's so great about micah is he sets other people up for success even when he's not the one you know maybe rushing for the quarterback but he sets other people up for success so I get the sediment of it, um, but, you know, and that that could go along with maybe a Zeke conversation of, you know, he had this nagging knee injury that, that kind of seems to keep coming back to get him. But then you also have the, the conversation about Dak Prescott and how much he has overcome injury-wise. And freak accident injuries, I would like to point out there. Not nagging injuries, freak accident injuries that <laughs> – incredible that he was able to come back from but you know then you also have guys like Damone Clark that had just all of this science and incredible things to be able to get him back to even playing you have somebody like um gosh just I'm thinking of all all of these guys that this Cowboys uh medical staff has built back up to be able to play again LVE you know he he was out for a few weeks this season but overall he's still playing incredible so my point is Yes, guys are going to have injuries, but when there's a drop-off in their play, yeah, that's an issue, but guys play with injuries a lot in this league. I mean, Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, come on. He was playing with his with one leg, basically, and still beat the Eagles, which I love for him so, so much. I love anybody that beats the Eagles, especially in the Super Bowl. So it's possible, but yeah, that, that was an interesting one for me. Well, and I think that we're agreeing in the same sense where the point is mostly to say when these teams hand out large contracts to guys who have a long laundry right. list of injury history. But believe me, like I loved Malik Hooker coming out of the draft, and he was one of the best safeties uh, in that draft class, maybe the top one. And if you want to take a flyer on him for one season just to see what happens, and listen, if it's you know he gets injured, something happens, listen, no harm, no foul, it's under a million dollars. But it's when these teams hand out these large contracts, and I put in that uh, section for injured players stay injured, Leighton Vanderesh is an interesting name because of the fact that he has an injury history, but the Cowboys last season signed him for a one-year, $2 million deal. Great value. He missed some games, but you're not really worried about it because you're not looking at it saying, oh, man, this guy has a uh, $12 million price tag on his on his deal right now for this season. Like, that's crazy. We can't pay him that money. But when the value's there, I think then you sign a guy like an LVE. But with what we're seeing with these linebacker contracts that are being handed out right now, I don't know if he's worth the $8 million a year salary for maybe a four years, you know, whatever the math is on that one. I'm not good. That's why I'm a writer. When it's maybe $25 million over the span of three years, is that worth it for someone like LVE who's proven to have a little bit of injury history or a lot thereof? Um, even you look at Randy Gregory, he was given that big contract. And he missed, I think I put in, in the article, he only played like six games this season. And he was dealing with off-the-field issues, which what he had in Dallas and in college, but also injuries uh, plagued this season for him as well. So it's it's tough a conversation to have when, like we said, committing long-term, 
probably not the best idea, but the short term, by all means, like I think everybody deserves a second chance. Um, you saw Sean Lee as a, as a prime example as well, where the general, Aww. yeah, it's like you have these guys where they get injured, but then they're given a second chance and they're proven to be successful players. So uh, the last point that I have, and I think it fits well with the Donovan Wilson conversation, is be wearing, uh, beware the one year wonder. You know these guys that are proven to have like the 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 breakout season right before they're de- they're due for a new contract, and the Cowboys have avoided this mistake uh, in the past. Like I mentioned, Byron Jones, where he was a great cornerback, an elite cornerback for one season, but they didn't want to commit to him long term because they didn't see that as a foreseeable thing to be repeating itself. Rolando McLean as somebody that they didn't want to hand out a large contract to. Jeremy Mincy was demanding a lot more money after that one season he had with the Cowboys, um, and they weren't going to do it for him. Morris Claiborne, Cameron Fleming, Alden Smith had the one season with the Cowboys in 2020. They didn't want to hand out a large contract to Randy Gregory and, like I said, potentially LVE. But I do think that Donovan Wilson we can talk about after this, but the biggest one that they avoided was DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray had a great season, Offensive Player of the Year with the Cowboys in 2014. They didn't feel like the, his market would be valuable enough to, to pay him a second contract. He goes with the Eagles, signs a five-year deal for $40 million, and absolutely bottoms out. And then he goes and gets traded to the Tennessee Titans and has a better season and better career with the Titans, which is great because it's the, the Tennessee Titans. You can't hate them. Separate conference, better team, not the Eagles. But it's it just proves that when you kind of bet all of your money on these one-year prove-it guys, it doesn't really pan out all too well. Like I mentioned, Deron Payne. We'll see what happens with him in that instance. So I bring up Donovan Wilson to say, before this season, he was a very good safety. You know, like rotational guy, somebody that you didn't really want to rely on. But this year, he was an excellent safety, very underrated throughout the season. And Dan Quinn got the best out of him. So do you bet on a guy like that where you sign him to maybe a $7 million a year contract for, for four years? Because if Dan Quinn leaves next season, you don't know what the scheme is going to be like for the next defensive coordinator. So is he going to be as successful? Like, do you bet all your money on Donovan Wilson when he hasn't really shown to do it over the course of maybe four, four seasons? I also love that you said all too well because that is a fantastic Taylor Swift song. So I just want to throw I, that I, out. I have to throw it in there occasionally just to you know, keep the, the relevancy of Taylor Swift. I caught on. I did. And uh, considering I will be seeing her in the next couple of weeks, I do not apologize for the menace I will become uh, after that. Anyways, to answer your question, yes. For somebody like Dono who has shown you growth already, I think that's already promising enough because you've seen enough of him to know he's growing. You know, it, it wasn't a standstill kind of season. Somebody like Leighton Vanderush, though, who started at the top, you know, his rookie season, everybody was so excited about. And yes, it was more injury prone uh, at that point that, that created the decline that we saw and kind of the steadiness. And something I think, too, that you saw with Leighton for a long time is he was tied with Jalen Smith so much that people got him and Jalen just so warped together to not really understand what an asset he could be. And so I think as soon as you saw Dan Quinn come in and find that role for LVE, that's when you saw him, you know, on his up and up and and having the season he did really this season. But um, the Rod Marinelli scheme was not working for LVE. And in fact, I think it was not doing him any justice at all. So, or you have the, the Tabasco Mike. The other one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, when you're, when you're working with something like that, I think if you take a time machine, you go back to LVE, you didn't really see an up and up 
that would have been an appropriate time to have that conversation to say, no, he's not worth the money. The Cowboys kept, you know, kept him on the roster, kept giving him chances. And I'm glad they did because he had this season that absolutely paid off. But what will you see from him next season? Will you see another decline? Will you see the up and up? Someone like Dono who came in so fresh and you can continue to see consistency and growth. That's what's key here is there has not been a drop off and there was not any um, stagnant anything from Dono. It has been up and up to the point where there was no expectations for Donovan going into the season. And then he blew all of us away to where now you're talking. He's your top free agent in this entire free agency. Yes, I would bet my money. Um, not that I bet. I cannot bet, but I would put my money on Dono. I think it's easier to commit to a player that's a one-year wonder when he's on your own team and has been for the previous four seasons. Because like we mentioned, draft and develop. This is the model. This is the point where the Cowboys want to commit long-term and, and give these big contracts because it's a guy that they've seen from day one as a rookie develop you know, into a, a really, really good borderline pro bowler um, in his final season. And it's like, okay, we've seen enough. Have we seen enough sample size to commit to this guy long-term? When it's a guy who's an outside free agent from the team, you, you aren't in the building every day. You don't know what the mentality is. And so when you commit to these contracts, you don't know what you're getting. But again, you have to take the chance. You have to take the leap. That's what the whole point of free agency is for. But that's why these deals don't really uh, mature well. They don't age well. They, it's more like spilled milk the majority, the majority of the time. And that's why the Cowboys are staying away from these types of deals because, again, you don't know what you're getting when you get a guy. And, of course, that's what the pro personnel department is for. You do the research. You project. The Kansas City Chiefs offered a, a huge contract to Juwan Taylor today, uh, the offensive tackle from the Jaguars, and he's a right tackle. They want him to play left tackle. It's He has never played left tackle in his career. They're projecting, and they're offering him this in, this huge deal, and now they don't know if Orlando Brown's going to be brought back. But again, this is a scenario where the Cowboys could have offered all this money to a left guard, let's just say, instead of a Connor McGovern. I actually would have felt a little uneasy with that because I would have said, well, you're paying a lot of money for a left guard. Maybe he's not that much better than Conor McGovern. Why don't you just bring back the guy you had in the building? So, again, when you look at this from a different lens, from the Cowboys perspective, not so much from the fan perspective and seeing all these teams make these big deals, it is a little bit more palatable with what they're doing. And, again, it's proven success. These guys aren't coming in, and they're not bottoming out. J. Ron Curse isn't given you know, this one-year contract, and you don't even see him. The one I have to say that was pretty subpar was Jasper Brinkley like a few years ago. He was a two-year. I, I, I'm telling you, when I was doing research for, for this article, I went through from 20, I forgot about him. 2022 <laughs> down to 2012, and I saw all these names, Dan Connor was another name back from the Carolina Panthers. And my childhood was just, you know, again, circulating in my mind of, oh, I remember where I was when I saw this notification. Um, Brandon Whedon, of course, is another one as well. Brandon Whedon. I know. Oh, my throwback. This yeah. is just a throwback episode, really, yeah. more and than anything. So, and you see all these guys where they're coming from the outside. You don't know who they are. And they're, it's a projection, of course. And they don't develop. And you're looking and saying, well, why couldn't you just draft a guy and develop? And that's... The mindset that the Cowboys are at, but again, people—it's like a pendulum. You go one way, people want to have you go back. You go the other way, and people want you to go back. So, in, in Cowboys Nation, we're never going to be happy. That's just the reality that we live in. Um, until there's success, until there's success at the mountaintop. Uh, but the final question I, I want to ask is—you know—again, this is not even day one of official new league year. Uh, if the Cowboys can make one splash at one position. 
for you to be like satisfied with this free agency class. It could be uh, from the outside. Let's let's keep their their own players out of this from the outside. What position would you want that to be? I'm going to veer away from wide receiver because that's the obvious one. I'm going to say kicker because I am worried about the kicking position without Brett Maher. I mean, truly, I, I saw, you know, you had tweeted about some couple a couple of veteran kickers that could be in the free agency pool. If you can solidify me a kicker, please, y'all. I do not. I miss the Dan Bailey days. We're talking about throwbacks. I miss the Dan Bailey days where you know points were solidified. Dan Bailey, we're good. We didn't even have to worry about it. And the fact that this conversation is not being had more of how the Cowboys kicking situation is going to be in shambles, that's scary. I mean, you have no consistency in the kicker position right now, and that worries me a lot. So I'm going to say kicker because I'm going to veer away from the obvious wide receiver answer. I think that is a great answer uh greg the leg has been signed today back to the jets so unfortunately no reunion will be had there um i know john darn, i know darn. yeah exactly so sad uh, devastating <laughs> tell us how you really feel um <laughs> but i do think again sticking away from wide receiver because i don't think the free agent class is necessarily there we did see a lot of linebackers get signed and i do think that maybe leighton vander as you can get on a little bit more of a discount but give me a, a really good free agent linebacker some guy who can come in and develop again like i mentioned a damone clark uh jabril cox a devin harper uh, surprisingly i saw uh from mike michael gelkin's article luke gifford might have a home before a lot of like these other guys and he's a great special teams guy but that could be like yeah. a devin harper um, but give me, like we mentioned in an earlier episode, a Levante David, a Bobby Wagner, like we talked about today, like these guys who can come in and be this veteran presence at the middle linebacker position where you have veteran leadership with Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons in the front, uh, a veteran linebacker in the middle, and then J. Ron Curse on the back end. That defense would be so special. I think it would take the Cowboys over the top. And then it's really all the pressures on the offense again to say, like, listen, you guys need to step it up. And that's where Mike McCarthy, again, put on the bootstraps, you know, or strap the boots, whatever it is. Take the boots, put them on. and Do something with those boots. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, put on hefty boots, uh, red wing preferably, and just be – you know, the offensive mind that we know you can kind of take this Cowboys team and turn it into, and then you're going to have a successful season. But I think that if you can kind of solidify that linebacker position, I think then everything kind of starts falling into place. That makes sense. But you're telling me you want to go have this hefty defense, an offense that possibly cannot score, and then who's kicking the ball? That is my question. Hey, Tristan Viscaino. Again, he's on the team. You never know. I wish you guys could see the look I'm giving Brandon right now. <laughs> um, no, I, I agree. I think you stack that linebacker position, and it only helps Micah Parsons. I mean, we keep coming back to this Micah Parsons situation and this conversation. We forever will. Help Micah Parsons get the weight off of him so he's not so banged up when you get into, what, that week 10, maybe if that, if not week 8 uh, situation where – The guy was banged up. I mean, any relief you can put on Micah Parsons and just really patch up that run defense more than anything else and make sure that's not a drop-off for your defense, do it. I agree. I think that's a great take. I think that's an excellent point, and uh, we we really got to get out of here because I know RJ is going to be very upset when this is over an hour. Um, Shout out to RJ and everything. Sorry, RJ. Your favorite boss. And speaking of RJ, (laughs) again, you can keep – 
tabs on everything that happens with the Cowboys in this free agency cycle. There's a free agent tracker on bloggingtheboys.com, so be sure to check out that. And that's not only about players that are coming and going. That's also nuggets that we see on Twitter and pop up, so we want to keep you guys as informed as possible. So check that out. And if Jess and I miss anything in this podcast and you're looking at a sideways of why we didn't address a big free agent signing of the Cowboys, well, that's why you have the roundtable that will happen tonight when this podcast airs and you can check everybody out. I'm sure there's going to be takes flying across the board between all of our uh, BTBers. So that's going to be something. Yeah. Prepare yourselves. That's going to be a fun one, actually, to tune into. They're all fun, but oh, man. Well, and, oh, man. and, it's and it's, it is a thankless job for RJ when it becomes the moderator. So again, please check out all the content that we have in the next few weeks. Next week probably will be better for the Cowboys and free agency, and maybe it'll be our time to shine. So Jess, where can people follow you? Uh, you said you're seeing Taylor Swift within what, the next few weeks or so? Yeah, I am seeing Taylor Swift in about two and a half weeks. So I'm become a whole new person, guys. You're really going to get all the Taylor Swift references from me after that. But you can follow me at Jess underscore on Twitter. I promise I don't tweet too much about Taylor Swift, only sometimes, but right now it is all Cowboys content because there is a lot going on. Uh, also, your reminder to remember it's clickbait season. Just remember who your reliable sources are and don't forget them. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> my tangent. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, and, you know, listen, I'm sure when the kicker news finally breaks, Jess will be all over it. She'll do a uh, an Instagram all live, Twitter live, Heck something yeah. will happen. Um, you will know. You will know when that breaks. I will be all over that. Exactly. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Brandon is right. And I'm sure that I'll be able to temper the expectations when Jess goes off. I'll be sort of the wet blanket to, to make everything a little less intense. So you can follow me, like I said, at Brandon is right. And that is W-R-I-T-E. Uh, for Jess Navarre's, I am Brandon Laurie. This has been the free agency frenzy episode of the Writer's Block podcast. Like I said, next week we'll probably be so much more enthusiastic when the Cowboys make a move. Until then, always go Cowboys. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.